Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Counselors and therapists often have a statement you're only as sick as your secrets. And then sometimes in our workshop, we try to explain to people that you know, the first time that you make something you're doing a secret, you have crossed the boundary. Well, how far does that go, and to what does it apply when it comes to a marriage relationship? Hi, I'm Dr. Joe Bean with Marriage Helper. I'm here with Kimberly Holmes, our CEO. And Kimberly, let's talk about that today, specifically in the terms of secrecy when it comes to spending money. Mm-hmm. So, yes, many people in the finance space have asked me, do we cover financial infidelity? And I thought, we don't call it that. We would view it, I think, a little bit differently. But the premise behind it is the same. Doing something in secret behind the other person's back that ultimately could lead to a breach of trust. Okay, so fidelity has to do with being able to trust. That has to do with faith. Okay, and so infidelity basically means unfaithful. I'm, I'm violating yes. an agreement. Yeah. And so that happens with money as well as other ways in marriages. Yeah, exactly. Just typically people don't call it infidelity. I mean, typically the word infidelity is used for the the ultimate breach of trust, which is going and being with another person. Mm-hmm. Right. So how does one commit financial infidelity? Well, I mean, it, it's just that. It could be something as as simple, so to say, as... I'm going to buy this new big screen TV without telling my spouse. I'm just going to show up with it at home all the way to I'm going to open a completely separate bank account, checking account, put money in there so that I can spend it in ways where my spouse will never even know that I'm doing it. So are you saying in a marriage, it should be to the point where if one person wanted to buy a $400 television, that they have to get the other spouse's agreement before they do so? I think that it needs to be a conversation of what the rules are or what the rules of agreement on things like that are. So in some marriages, depending on what their what their budget is and how much they make, $400 could be nothing and other people $400 could be a ton of money, but it should probably be well so an example I can give is at Marriage Helper, you know, I have a director of operations and I have told her there's a certain amount a money threshold, you can make a financial decision above that. I don't care. I don't care anything below that. I trust you. So just do what you will. But above this amount, let's have a conversation. And I think it's a similar principle in marriage. And I don't think people talk about it a lot. And even thinking about me and Rob, I don't know that we have a number per se, but if there's a bigger purchase that's going to be a a substantial amount of money or require like you know, taking down a big TV and putting a new one up, there's typically just a conversation. Hey, this is what I'm going to do. What are your thoughts? Right. And I don't know that couples typically talk about those things. And so it could be that in some of these situations, someone is spending money or making financial choices just because they think that they can. They think that there's nothing wrong with 
So what I'm hearing is this. If a person's doing it because of the fact that they don't think their spouse is going to care one way or the other, then we're not putting that under the category of financial infidelity. What I'm hearing is it's when I believe my spouse would object or at least potentially would object. And so therefore, rather than having the conversation, Mm -hmm. what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend the money first. It's better to get forgiveness than permission. That In that case, what it lead the other spouse to feel, which is probably going to be something like, you know, I, I don't feel that I can trust you because money can be tight at certain times, or at least we, we have a budget we have agreed to. Mm-hmm. And so it really has to do with whether or not you're trying to be in secret yep. or what you're doing is open. Yep. I think that's right. I think that's right. And this is probably a bigger issue in situations where They've opened a separate account. There's a credit card that the other spouse doesn't know about, and they're beginning to spend money secretly, which maybe they're using that money to do things that they shouldn't be doing, which can lead, which I mean, the bigger problem is the things they shouldn't be doing, not just the money in that situation. Or uh, they've opened an account in secret because they're not fully committed to the marriage and they want to have something on the side just in case. So Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think the issue is the money. I think the issue is the underlying reason behind why they're hiding the money. I I think you're exactly right. Which is a back to what I said earlier. Sometimes counselors would say you're only as sick as your secrets. The question would be, why are you making it a secret? Several years ago, I worked with a couple and they uh, actually were applying for a home loan to buy a new house. That's when the wife discovered they had $30,000 in credit card debt on credit cards she didn't know that they had. Now, the first thing I'm thinking is, what kind of a dummy thinks that that wouldn't come up when you're applying for a loan on your house? I mean, how did he not anticipate that? And when she questioned him, and she was pretty angry about it, as you understand, it turned out he had started gambling. Mm. And he was using the credit card to gamble and at this point had lost $30,000. She was furious. So as you were saying earlier, it, the money was not the issue. The money was the fact, well, actually $30,000 was an issue, but it wasn't about the money. It was about the fact that he was doing something secretly that he shouldn't have been doing to begin with, and she was furious. Plus, they weren't able now to buy the house that they were going to buy. Right. And as to the second thing you talked about, uh, I actually dealt with this recently, where that the, the, this family is relatively wealthy. And without the husband's knowledge, the wife had opened another account. And in the, in the last couple of years, they've been able so far to track down $1.5 million that she had siphoned off of other things and put into her secret account. And that she had done that without his knowledge because he had such trust. You know, she would write the check. She would actually balance the checkbook every month and all those kinds of things. So he didn't even look at it. He just assumed we've been married this many years. I can trust you with everything. And it turns out that the reason she wants the money is because she has taken uh, another man into her life and has now filed for divorce and wants to go be with the other guy. And she already has a million and a half dollars. Plus, she's suing the husband for half of everything that's left. So in situations like that, yes, money becomes the the thing you're dealing with, without a doubt, the forensic account, is, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But it really is about, can I trust you? Right. Should I trust you? Now, Kimberly, I would imagine that most marriages have one person that basically takes care of the finances, and the other one 
rarely looks at it. You think that's probably right or not? I don't have any statistics on it. Maybe, maybe. And it may be generational, too. Because in your generation, that's absolutely true. A lot of the women are the women are the ones that write the checks, handle the bills, all of that stuff. You know, I think with my generation and younger, it, it might it's more split, but it's also becoming more common where there's just separate bank accounts and people not planning on joining bank accounts once they get married. And so I don't know in in that kind of situation, how do you find out if someone is spending money secretly if you never joined your finances? See, I would think if you had two separate accounts and, and you have done that willingly and each of you knows that whatever you do with the money in your account is your business. Yeah. In other words, I wouldn't see that as being secret. We agreed up front. This is my money. That's your money. Right. My question would be, what does that say about the level of commitment they have to exactly. each other? Exactly. Exactly. Because if I want to keep my money over here and you keep your money over there, kind of sounds to me as I don't know that this is going to last long term. And so I really need to protect and take care of myself. Although it could be a different uh, different motivation, which would be uh, you make a lot more money than I do. So let's live off your money. And then I'm going to keep my money in this account over here so I can play. Now, I would think that would be unfair mm -hmm. because it's like if you're going to play, you need to play together, together. not that. So right. what advice, if any, do we have for people when it comes to secrets when it comes to money? Yeah. The two issues I see both of these things boiled, boiling down to is really it's about commitment and trust. So if you want to have a trust-filled marriage built on long-term commitment, which is what all of us crave, really at our core, and then you need to have a conversation about, so let's say that there's not infidelity or financial infidelity, so to say, happening now. You need to have a conversation about how do we join our finances? Who's going to be in charge of what? You put it out there and, and have the conversation so that you agree upon the, the rules and ways around which you are going to spend and talk about money, right? And then, and then you know if those rules are violated, there needs to be a conversation that happens. Mm -hmm. When we talk about trust, we say the word is predictive. If I trust you, it means I believe that the decisions you make and the actions you take will be for the benefit of our relationship and or the benefit of me, not just for the benefit of you. So distrust basically says, I don't believe that. What I fear is that your decisions that you make and the actions that you take will be for the benefit of you, even though it might be to the detriment of me or to the detriment of our relationship. And so when we talk about trust, it's like, okay, if you open to begin with two different accounts, which is your right, you can do that if you wish, that you would say up front that we are not completely trusting each other with our finances. And if you're not completely trusting each other with the finances, then my question becomes, what areas, if any, do you completely trust each other? And so if, if I said, okay, look, Alice, you've had a problem in the past with alcohol, which is an illustration. <laughs> it's not true. Okay. If I were to say, Alice, because you've had a, a problem with alcohol in the past, and when you were drinking, you took a lot of money out to do that kind of stuff, then I'm going to put two different accounts. One is the account you handle, which pays the bills, and I'm going to have the other account, which is our extra money, our leftover money. If she would look at me and say, then you don't trust me, the only answer would be, that's correct. Mm. I don't trust you. Now, we might be able to rebuild trust. We call that a process called calculative trust. We can calculate a process through which trust can be rebuilt. 
But I'm going to go ahead and admit right now, the reason I don't want to do that is because at this point, I do not trust you. Now, if you can have the conversation where you can be that open and honest with each other, then you can talk about money, you can talk about children, talk about in-laws, talk about sex, talk about all kinds of things. But if you feel like I've got to keep this part of my life secret, then we would say that something major in all likelihood is wrong with the relationship. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that if you have two different accounts. That could be okay, based on the criteria we just talked about. But if one of you is doing that secretly, there's a problem. Now, if it's something temporary, like you know, when I made a temporary account that's going to last three months because I'm saving up money to buy her birthday present, and in three months that's going to close out, that's not the kind of thing we're talking about. That's a surprise. That's not a secret per se. But if it's like, I need you not to know about this because then somehow it's going to benefit me, which may be to the detriment of the relationship or the detriment of you, then you are violating trust. Mm-hmm. And when the other person finds out, don't be shocked, surprised, or annoyed when the other person says, how can I trust you again? Mm-hmm. So we are not financial experts. At least I'm not. I'm not. So we're not going to tell you how to spend your money. No. We're just going to say that in any part of your life, if you're keeping secrets from each other, other than for temporary things like a surprise party, if you're keeping secrets from each other, something is wrong. Now, mm-hmm. we'd love to help you fix that, right? We would. And another thing I would say is while we don't tell people that there is an affair going on or could be an affair going on, we do know that there are some signs that an affair could be going on. And one of those is missing money. Mm -hmm. And so I would say if you have realized that your spouse has been opening another account, spending money that you don't know where it's been going. You may want to dig deeper and really assess this because it could be that there is an affair going on. Very possible. Or an addiction. Or an addiction, like, right? Like the gambling that you were like, talking about. That kind of thing. Alcoholism, right. And so we have another video. We'll link to it in the show notes on, on YouTube. So if you're listening to this as a podcast, you can still go watch it over on YouTube about the five signs that your spouse is in an affair. If you think that this financial infidelity, the spending money secretly may be a an indicator of something deeper going on, like an affair, go and listen to that. It'll give you some more insight on what your next move should be if you really do think an affair should be going on, which I'll go ahead and say, even if it is, there is still hope. We work with situations like this all of the time, day in and day out, in what we do at Marriage Helper. Right. And you can find out about our workshop, our intensive three-day workshop that is doing wonderful things for marriages, particularly marriages in crisis, by going to marriagehelper.com. That's marriagehelper, marriagehelper.com slash workshop. Kimberly, we have a lot more things to talk about as we continue to do episodes of Relationship Radio. Hopefully, this has helped you think some things through financially. But did you hear the main point? Anything you're making a secret... There's a problem if it's like you really don't want your spouse to know for some purpose that's not good, and you need to deal with that. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you in the next episode of Relationship Radio.